0: Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 15 verses 11 through 32. Luke 15 verses 11 through 32. It's a scripture that should be familiar to you because it is the prodigal son. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. he would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. When he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he, got, he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen. For all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat, so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes and killed the fat, you killed the fatted calf for him, then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, O Lord, for the blessing of being able to be here to worship you in spirit and in presence. We thank you, Lord, because you continue to rejoice in our praise and our worship. And your spirit is here every time we gather in your name. We ask you, O Lord, now that you will speak to us through this word as it is proclaimed, that you will give me your thoughts to be my own, and that this word will speak to each and every one of us what we need to hear this morning. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I asked in the early service, so I'll ask here too. Anybody ever not hear about the prodigal son? Anybody? Anybody? Has anybody here never heard of the prodigal son? Nope. Nobody here either. Everybody's heard of this parable, right? You know how in music they have the top 10? In parables, if there was a top 10, the prodigal son would be probably close to number one. The parables that we did last week would probably make the top 10 as well. The lost coin and the lost sheep. These are parables that we have read time and time again. We've studied. We've reviewed. And so whenever we come to these scriptures, I always challenge us to find something new. What what is new here that God wants to tell us today and show us today? So, you know, when you're eating and you need to clear your palate... They tell you to take some water and kind of swoosh it around your mouth and swallow and clear your palate so that you can really taste your food. So for a moment, I want you to clear your spiritual palate. I want you to take a moment and just internally close your eyes for a minute. Internally ask God to open you up to see something new in the Word this morning. To receive whatever it is that God wants to reveal to you, and to be blessed and built up by this word. You can open your eyes. Now, this parable is part of a trifecta, as I mentioned before, of the three parables of lost things, the coin, the sheep, and now the son. And many people who study these these, uh, parables say there are so many parallels between these. There are so many things in common uh, if you read these parables together. So I like to do them back to back. That's why we did the others last week and this one this week. Because they all kind of fit together into, into Jesus' teaching about the lost. About what it means to be lost and to be found. Jesus tells this parable, and we'll just go through it. There's a man who has two sons. The younger son comes to the father and says, give me... Give me my inheritance. Give me what is due to me. Give me what you're going to give me. Now, normally, inheritances are not given until somebody dies, right? But the father was still alive. So this young son comes across as a little bit insolent, right? You know, I don't want to wait till you die to enjoy my inheritance. Give it to me now. I'll go go ahead and enjoy it now. And you have to understand that younger sons did not inherit a lot back then. The bulk of the inheritance went to who? The oldest. Because the idea was that you, your oldest would inherit the most, the bulk of your inheritance to keep the family going. Because it was the responsibility of the older son to oversee the household when the father was gone. And so this younger son asked for his inheritance, and the father could have simply said, no, you wait till I die, and I'll give it to you. But instead, we're told that the father figured out exactly how much it was, however small that inheritance was, and he gave it to his younger son. Well, have you ever met somebody who came into a lot of money that didn't have money and noticed what happened to them? Did you know that most people that win the lottery are broke within a year? Why is that? Because when you're not used to having responsibility over things and having to earn things and things are given to you, a lot of times you're not responsible with it. You squander it. People that win the lottery go out, spend all their money, and before you know it, they're out. They've spent it all. And they don't know where it went. And so this young son gets his inheritance, and the scripture says it only took him a few days to pack up and decide he was out of there. It didn't take long before he decided, I'm not sticking around here. You know, like one of the children said, I want to do my own thing. I want to do what I want, you know? None of us ever do that, right? We never say, I want to do what I want. And he took off. And, you know, when you're going to go away from home, you don't go down the street. You go as far as you can. You know, you take off, you're really going to take off. So he took off. He went to a distant country as far as he could get from his father. You know, when we run away, we really run away. We don't just run away down the street. We run away. He went to a distant country. And while he was there, he spent everything that his father had given him. How many of you know what the meaning of the word prodigal is? Do you know? Because a lot of us think of this parable as the parable of the prodigal son. And therefore, we associate the word prodigal with somebody who returns. But the word prodigal means reckless and lavish spending. It means somebody who squanders what they have. Just kind of blows it. So this son blew it. He spent all that he had. And when the money was gone... A famine hid the place where he was. You know, a convergence of bad situations. And the scripture says he experienced something he hadn't experienced in the same way before. You know what that is? Need. Need. He had been in his father's house. He had not known what it was to be hungry because every time he showed up, there was food. There was the amenities of the house. You know, it isn't until you move out of your parents' house and you go off to make it on your own that you realize food does not just magically appear on a plate. It's not until you you have to go and pay for things that you realize that things cost money. You don't realize those things when you're growing up. You take them for granted a lot of times. You know, I show up at the table, the food's going to be there. This young man discovered... What many of us already know, which is that parents provide for their children more than they will ever understand as children. I always say that people don't realize this until they get into their 20s and 30s and they really have to make it on their own. That's when you really go, mom, dad, thank you because you fed me and I ate a lot. You took care of me all those years. And you know, the reality is if we had to repay our parents for those years, we'd have to work the rest of our lives because they did so much for us. So this boy experienced need for the first time to the point that he experienced hunger. And I'm not talking about just a little pancreas that I want a snack. I'm talking about he had no money. He's in a foreign land. There is no relative or family that he can crash into to go get some food. This boy is actually experienced experiencing true hunger and poverty like he has never known before. And he decides he's going to get him a job. You know, us parents, we're always praying our kids will get a job. And I don't know if his father was over there praying for him and asking God to lead him to a a place where he would work for a living so he could understand what it means to earn a living. But the scripture says that this boy that was Probably a good Jewish boy decided to find a job and the job he got was taking care of pigs, which for a Jewish boy is like the bottom of the barrel because pigs are unclean. And so you know what that means for a Jewish boy? It means that you are becoming ritually unclean every single day you go to work. Because you're in contact with these animals that are unclean. And he had to feed them and take care of them. And the scripture says that he had to feed them pods. And I had to look them up because I never looked them up before. Pods. They're literally like pods that grow in plants that nobody wants to eat because they're nasty. But they give them to the, to the animals. The animals will eat them all day long. Especially pigs because pigs will eat Anything. And this is when you know he's a good Jewish boy because the scripture says that he was hungry. Nobody gave him anything to eat and he desired to eat the pods that were being fed to the pigs. If he had been Latino, he'd be thinking about how to roast one of those pigs. (laughs) I'm serious. But he was Jewish. He couldn't think that way. So he is desiring what? The pods that are being thrown to the pigs as feed. And when you hit the bottom of the barrel, when you get to the lowest of the low, that is when you really start realizing what you're missing in your life. That is when you really begin to appreciate what you had and have no more. You know, they say you have to hit rock bottom to really look up. And for this Jewish boy, this is rock bottom bottom. This is as bad as it gets. Broke, taking care of pigs, wishing he could eat what they eat. You don't get lower than that for a, for a good Jewish boy. And when he was there doing this thing, he began to remember how it was in his father's house. He began to remember that even the slaves in his father's house had plenty to eat and bread to spare. It wasn't a problem. They ate every day. But he knew there was a problem. He had messed up bad. But he wanted wanted to go back. You know, sometimes we want to go back But our mistakes get in the way. We begin to think about all the things we have done wrong and we think there's no way to reconcile, no way to go back, no way to be restored. And so this Jewish boy says, I'll go back, but I know I've messed up. I know I've done wrong, so I know what I'll do. I will apologize to my father for my mistake. I will recognize, I will own up to the fact that I did it wrong and I will ask him, to let me be one of his hired servants, to let me, give me a job, Dad. I know that I messed up and I lost the right to be your son. I lost the right to be an heir to your house. I lost the right to be, to be in the prime position that I was before. Just let me be a hired hand in your house. And then he made that difficult decision to actually leave where he was to head home. Do you know that that's one of the hardest things for all of us to do? When we mess up, when we're covered in mud, when we're completely feeling defeated and destroyed, one of the hardest decisions to make is to have the courage to go back home. And back home, if I was covered in mud, I was afraid to come home because I thought they'd kill me when I got there. Imagine this boy who has squandered all that his father had given him. Imagine this boy that had left his house basically on bad terms, considering going back. But he decided to do it, he made that decision. And then he began to work on his apology. You know, there's two things that you don't get do-overs on really. Only the first time counts. And that is proposals and apologies. You don't get to propose to your wife twice. You get one shot at it. If you don't get it right, you messed it up. And the reality is apologies really, it's that first one that really matters. When you come back and you really express your heart and really say what is in your heart, that's what matters. And this boy began to work on his apology. I will say to my father, I have sinned against you and I have sinned against heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just let me work for you. Let me be your hired hand. That's all I'm asking. Give me a chance. To just be a worker in your house. And he was in a distant country, so you know what that meant? He had a lot of time to work on his apology, a lot of time to keep repeating it to himself, to keep hearing how it sounded to try to make sure that he had the courage to be able to utter the words, Father, I have sinned against you in heaven and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. He he knew he messed up and he was asking for a chance. You just have to wonder how many times he repeated that to himself. How the shame and the guilt just kept surfacing every time he repeated it. Because here's the thing, whenever we work on an apology and we face our mistake, it also brings about shame and guilt because we realize how badly we've messed up. He was going to his house and the scripture says that before he could get to his house, This is really important. The father saw him from a distance. Saw him from a distance. Now, you got to remember, this boy has been taking care of pigs. This boy had no place to shower or clean up before he went home. This boy probably was covered from head to toe in mud and probably hadn't showered in days. And yet the father saw him in a distance and the scripture says he ran to him, he hugged him, and he kissed him. Not what I would have done. I would have been like, let's go to the shower and we'll talk later. He ran to him, he kissed him, he embraced him. At that moment, he recognized this is my son that was lost and now is found, that has come back home. And, And the son he must have been overwhelmed. I mean, this is probably not what he was expecting from his father. He didn't know what to expect. But at that moment, he 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 remembered, I've been working on this apology. I got to get it out right now. This is my chance to plead my case. Father, I have sinned against you and against Kevin. I have messed up. I have messed up. I am not worthy to be called your son. And he was going to keep going, and the father interrupted him. You know, he never got to the end of his apology. Never made it past that. Because right then and there, the father sent for the slaves to go get the robe. Not just any robe, the best robe. To go get a ring to put on his finger. To go get some sandals to put on his feet. You know, this boy was so broke, he had no shoes. He was so broke that he probably wasn't wearing anything nice. And the father at that moment just clothed him, put sandals on him, gave him a ring, and all of these signs said to the son, I love you. You messed up, but I still love you. You messed up, but I still welcome you home. The father's love and joy and compassion overcame any resentment that he could have had against his son You know, it makes me think about how incredible God's love is that we just don't understand it. You know, as a parent, I would have read him the riot act about 20 times. I would have set a list of conditions for him to come home. I would have said, when you get yourself together, you can come home. I would have said, when you clean up, you can go into your room. I would have had all kinds of things to say as I would list all of his mistakes so that he was sure not to repeat them. But God's love is so great that even when we mess up, his love overtakes his wrath and he offers forgiveness and he offers grace. And the scripture says he told the slaves, go kill the fatted calf. We've got to eat and we've got to celebrate because my son, who was lost, is now found. Who was dead is now alive. And I don't know if you realize it, but the fatted calf was an animal that had been prepared for a long period of time. They had been feeding it extra. And the reason was, there was some high holiday coming up, religious celebration, usually where they were going to slaughter that animal and have a feast to celebrate that holiday, that religious celebration usually. And what that meant was that this was not just one of the animals, this was the animal that was being reserved for that. So when the father sent to have this animal killed, it meant that the joy that he was experiencing over his son's return was so great that he went for the highest form of expression of celebration and joy that he knew, killing the fatted calf. And the scripture says that they celebrated and rejoiced with him. The party started. The music began to play. There was an incredible joy throughout the household at that moment because of his return. But everybody wasn't home, as we know. The oldest son, where was he? Doing what he was always doing, working. He was out in the fields. And he began to draw near, an and the scripture says that he heard music and he knew there wasn't a party on the schedule. He called one of the slaves and said, What's going on? What are we celebrating? And the servant told him, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. You would have thought the brother would have been glad his younger brother was safe and sound, but he wasn't. The scripture says he got angry, so angry that he wouldn't come in to the party. So angry that he stayed outside. And the father had to come out to his elder son to plead with him. You know, it's wonderful that it doesn't matter which brother you are, God still comes out for you. He still comes out for you. He still pleads for you. He still comes after you. And the father tried to get him to come into the party. Come, celebrate with us. Your brother's alive. Your brother's well. Your brother's home. And the brother's response was, listen, for all these years, I have worked for you like a slave. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you, have given, you haven't even given me a young goat. So that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back. Who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You went and killed the fatted calf for him. The righteous indignation in his voice must have been palpable. He was just... Extremely upset that he had done all the right things. And here they're celebrating my brother who is like literally the black sheep of the family. And we're celebrating him. That made no sense to him. He didn't understand why the father would do this. You know, so many times when we see God bless somebody, our reaction is not joy over their blessing. Is why didn't I get that? We had like two-year-olds. Why didn't I get that? Why didn't I have that happen to me? And this is the reaction that the older brother had. He's like, what? Why? why did he deserve that? You see, in the older brother's mind, everything was supposed to be earned and received because you worked for it and you deserved it. And this young brother did not deserve it. He'd messed up. He was, he was completely a mess. But he didn't understand that the father's love, like God's love, is radically forgiving and gracious. And to be gracious means that you give as a gift, not because somebody deserves it, but because you love them. At that moment, the father loved his son. He didn't like what he did. He didn't like the fact that he squandered the inheritance. He didn't like that he went off into his own foreign land. But he still loved his son. He loved him so much that he was willing to forgive him, to bless him, and to celebrate not his sin, not his mistakes, but the fact that he had come to his senses and decided to come home to the father's house. We read in the other parables that there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous who don't need repentance. I mean that is exactly what this is talking about. The father was not going to celebrate the younger son's mistakes or sins or bad decisions, but he was going to celebrate that he had had a change of heart. And he had decided to do things differently. That he had come home not trying to cover up his mistakes, but admitting his mistakes. Because if we've learned anything about repentance, is that in order for there to be redemption, there always has to be repentance first. We have to admit to God, I messed up. And then God says, okay, I'll forgive you. But it begins with repentance He came to his senses and he came home. And the reaction of the father is the same reaction that God has when a sinner repents and decides to come home. You know that God embraces them, kisses them, and then he brings them in the house to clean them up. He brings them in the house to straighten them out. He brings them in the house so that they can live right. He brings them in the house so that they can know what it is to be in community. But it begins by receiving them back in and forgiving them and showing them grace. There are several things that we can get from this parable, so many things that are here. The obvious one for each and every one of us should be if you ever get lost, you know that you need to come home. If you ever get lost, remember what it was like to be in the Father's house, to be in community with Christ, to be walking by faith and not by sight. Remember what it was like to be in Sunday school, to be involved in the work of the church. Remember what it felt like to give to others rather than seeking for yourself. And then make a decision to go home. And then the other one is that God is merciful to forgive. And he will receive us. You know, it's a blessing to know that God's not going to list all my mistakes for me before he forgives me. We do that enough ourselves, right? He is going to forgive me if I repent of my sins and bring them to him. Because God is merciful and loving. And if we repent, he will take us back. He will wash us. He will put a new robe on us. He will put a ringer on our, ringer on our finger to declare that he, we are his children, and he'll put sandals on our feet so that we can go where he leads us. We need to learn to have compassion for the prodigals of this world, the people that are wasting away their lives, that you see them all the time. They're wasting their lives either in pursuit of money or possessions or success or you name it, you fill in the blank, you know who I'm talking about. And at times it is us who behave like prodigals. And we need to be found. And we need to come back home. And we need to work on our apology. And we need to make a decision to leave the mud and come home. Please pray for those folks as you pray for yourself that they will come to their senses and realize that the only good place to be is in the Father's house. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you because you welcome us with open arms. You, you receive us, Lord, when we come to you broken and dirty and just sinful, Lord. You wash us up and you clean us up and you welcome us into your house and you restore us, O oh Lord, to our rightful place as your children. We ask, O oh Lord, on this day that you will help us to see the prodigals out there, the people that are still being reckless, the people that are still wasting away their lives, O oh Lord, help us to help them to find purpose and, and, and purpose in you, Lord, and find, O oh Lord, what it is that you want to show them. And help us, Lord, if we ever get lost, to look for the way home. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is open if anybody wants to come up for prayer as we worship and come to the end of the service.